Hello, hi. This is Nishant Malhotra from the Middle Road, your podcast host today. And again today, I have a very exciting guest from Africa. So first, uh, welcome to the Middle Road with Nishant Malhotra, where your host deep dives into stories and experiences of individuals who are shaping a brighter future through their work in impact investing and social innovation. Today, I have a special on impact investing. And this, and today for today, I'm actually looking at Africa. And of course, we'll look at other things also. So I want to first uh, you know, welcome a remarkable guest whose journey uh, embodies the spirit of positive change and innovation. Kingsley Goodwin is a seasoned professional with over a decade of experience across diverse sectors from development to blockchain and has been at the forefront of driving impact on both local and global level. Tune into this podcast as I uncover how Kingsley as a country ambassador at Impact Market Nigeria and chairperson of Commonwealth Youth Peace Ambassadors Network is not just participating in change, but driving it. His journey serves as a beacon of hope, illuminating the path for those who aspire to create positive change in Africa and beyond. If you are curious about the intersection of finance and social good, and if you believe in immense potential of Africa to lead the way in impact investing, you're in the right place. So get ready for an inspiring and eye-opening conversation that promises to unveil the true essence of impact investing in Africa. So hello, Kingsley. Thanks a lot. And I welcome you to the podcast show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So you have a very exciting profile. And of course, uh, before I you know deep dive and have a chat with you about so many things, I'll just share a brief overall uh, global impact investing overview. And uh, before, and then we go into Africa because I think that makes sense for an audience to have a fair bit of idea of uh, what actually is the global uh, impact investing market. So according to Jin uh, report, which is a uh, global champion of impact investing space, they came out with a report sizing the impact investing market 2002, which was supported by New Win. The, they are also, like I mentioned, the global champion of impact investing. The global market size of impact investing stood at $1.164 trillion. Now, this figure of uh, is actually direct invested AUM asset under management reported as of December 2021. Now, keep in mind, this analysis includes green bonds. And so the Mill Road has a publication on sustainable finance. It's freely available. I suggest you go and do a deep dive. And there's also an online course, which I'll be talking about uh, impact bonds. So that, although that's in total different uh, segment, but then there is also a webinar which I did for Atal Innovation Mission, in which I've talked about uh, sustainable finance and I've covered a bit about green bonds, so you can know about it. Another specialized bond issuance. Now you could refer to the report. For this report, Jin's research team rigorously screened and analyzed data from over 3,000 public and private market asset owners and managers, and they had their own criteria uh, of screening. So, but now this is very important statistics. Uh, only 2% of impact investing AUM, which I talked about asset under management, is allocated to Middle East and North Africa and 1% to Sub-Saharan Africa. Now, this to share a holistic perspective on the present state of impact investing in Africa. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be sort of asking now, I'll do a bit of deep dive and let's have some of the questions coming for you. I hope the introduction and the sort of uh, was not a bit too long. No, it's fine. It's fine. 
Okay, so let's begin with your work experience. Now you have a very varied and very diverse experience within the social impact sector in Africa. So that was very rich. That's what I loved about you is that you had, you know, sort of uh, across your career when you started, you have experiences across so many uh, different organizations where you work within the social impact space. Now, how did your work shape your interest in impact investing? For example, you can take an example as a regional program officer, you worked at West Africa Civic Society Forum. And how did this build your interest in your approach for impact investing sector? <clears throat> well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Nishant, for having me on your podcast today. I'm so excited to be on this podcast show. I want to say a very big thank you to everyone that maybe possibly joining in or listening from wherever they are, if they are, if that's happening. Well, my work with um the West Africa Civil Society Forum, Waxoff, began in the year 2018 when I joined as a regional program officer. And I was so excited about um that role because it helped me actually to expand the civic space, the civil society space across the West African region. One of the key things that stood out for me was the ability and the opportunity to work with organizations like the um, economic, um, the Economic Community of West African States ECOWAS in helping to actualize um, cross-boundary trades and investment in youths and women across the West African region. So um, I think that kind of sparked my interest in impact investing in a great way, seeing the opportunities that abound for women and youth most especially to be invested in uh, one of the team areas we worked with at Waxoff was the area of entrepreneurship and youth development and of course this had a very profound impact in many youth-led um, businesses um, and women-led businesses and how we're able to actually work with um, investors to actually provide funds for these businesses so I am so excited to have been a part of that opportunity. And though I didn't um, take so much um, time working at Waxoff just for two years, um, I think more of my experience with impact investing is currently based on where I am currently with impact market. So as we go into the conversation, I will delve deep down into how impact um, investing is working with what I'm with where I'm currently working, which is impact market. Thank you very much, Mr. Nishant. Great. Okay. So you, so my basic, uh, you can deep dive and I do appreciate when you will come to your experience at impact market, but I wanted to just sort of understand when you look at impact investing space in Africa and of course in Nigeria, where we are talking about, how would you rank it? Uh, is it like, uh, you think, uh, uh, Nigeria as you're comparing it to maybe other countries in Africa are doing much better. How is it? Kenya, as I remember is the development center of Africa. How would you rank? No, let, let let me frame this question. How do you rank Nigeria as compared to uh, Kenya? Well, um, as you may, maybe you are not aware, but Nigeria is actually like the largest um, country mm -hmm. in Africa. It's called the giant of Africa. So um, when you talk about impact investing, I think um, Nigeria still takes the lead. Because okay. of the yes, I think Nigeria still takes the lead because they are because of the um, number of young people, organ and organizations, of course, that are actually involved in social enterprise. So I think that provides the um, platforms for impact investors 
to actually identify lots of organizations across various sectors that they could work, work with and invest in. So when compared to Kenya, I think Nigeria actually takes the lead. I, of course, Kenya is doing very well also in that aspect, in that Kenya, South Africa, you know, Ghana, these are all great um, places where also impact investing is thriving. But I still believe that um, a huge part of impact investing is happening in Nigeria due to the population size, due to the um, strength of the Nigerian economy, the diversity and all that. So this all plays and contributes to the, the more reason why impact investors are actually trooping in into Nigeria. If you go to Lagos, for example, you'll find a lot of startup hubs, a lot of social enterprises, organizations that are springing up by the day. And all these are opportunities for investors to actually dive into the sectors, these diversified sectors, and actually in, in, invest into this organization. So when compared to Kenya, I would say Nigeria is still taking the lead in terms of impact investing. If you look at the reports that has gone forth in terms of how many organizations have been funded by impact investors, again, you will see that the number of um, Nigerian companies that are even actually operating in, in countries like Kenya, for example, you look at companies like Flutterwave, you look at companies like MoneyPoint, you look at companies like Opay, these are, these are startup companies, these are financial, um, financial hubs that have actually diversified, not just within the West Africa or the Sub-Saharan region, but even across the African region as a whole. So, and all these are being led by Nigerian founders, Nigerian, um, Nigerian um, executive directors, and they're expanding into various markets across Africa in several countries. If you go to Kenya, if you go to Egypt, if you go to South Africa, if you go to Ghana, you would see Nigerian startups thriving there. And this is why impact investors are actually very impressed with the, the resilience and the spirit that Nigerian founders and startup investors actually carry in terms of doing the work that they do. So Nigeria is actually taking the lead in terms of impact investing. Okay, good. Fair enough. Uh, so thanks for putting that into perspective. When I look at impact investing, uh, it's very clear that uh, the invest uh, the investment ratio or the, the investment as, as, as if you compare it globally or with other regions, it is less. So when you look at these limitations uh, within, the, you know, when you perceive that there's a low impact driven investment within the region, how do you think uh, you could go over these limitations and enhance <laughs> through impact investing? Now, this you, you I'm talking about the whole of Africa, not Nigeria. And then, of course, you can talk about Nigeria, uh, your country as well. I want to get a question again. Sorry, let me quickly look at the question again. You. Could you just take the question yeah. again? Yeah, yeah, sure. So what I was asking is like, now you talked about impact investing, but then the impact investing is not very high in Africa. As if you look at the continent, we saw that invest okay. impact investing is not much higher. So what do you think would be, uh, what are the limitations which you think is the bottlenecks which are happening within the region or within the continent or within the con different countries? And how do you want to enhance inclusion through uh, what could be the steps or what you could do to enhance inclusion through impact investing in Africa. And then you can also speak about Nigeria. You could take Okay, a thank, you. thank you very much once again, uh, Mr. Nishan. So in terms of the challenges um, being faced in terms of impact investing, um, first of all, I would say some of the uh, myths that some investors have concerning 
um, companies in Nigeria and Africa at large could be some of the um, factors affecting and mitigating impact investing in the continent. For example, using Nigeria as an example, um, sometimes people believe that um, there, there, there's this tag about Nigerians that um, if you do business or if you invest in a Nigerian company, <laughs> that oftentimes these companies will not thrive um, because of several factors, including, for example, government policies and all that. But all these, all these are myths. Like I said previously, we have companies that have been started by Nigerians, but that have been started by Ghanaians. Look at, for example, Impesa in Kenya. This is a startup company that is doing very well in Kenya. We have other companies like that in Ghana and, and, and so on and so forth. But I think some of the basic challenges mitigating impact investing has to do with government policies. The policies that are being put together by government officials oftentimes kind of stop investors from investing of from bringing their investment into the um, African continent. Then for other reasons we have, uh, reasons such as um, security concerns, oftentimes um, investors that have the kind of funds that should be invested into startups and other companies within the African continent are concerned about um, the security situation within the sub-African region. Um, the issues of security um, caused by Boko Haram and Al-Shabaab terrorist groups sometimes impact the kind of investments that investors may want to bring into this region. For example, um, the story um, came about a certain company in KP State in Nigeria that was actually into the production of tomato paste in, 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 in millions and trillions of tons. And for some reasons, the company shuts down. The investors actually left um, Niger the Nigerian shells because of the issue of security. And this also happens within the oil and gas industries and so many other industries whereby you have vandalizations and, and um, destruction of life and property in some regions. But then, again, these are just some of the challenges that um, we face in getting more and more investors to invest in um, Nigerian and other African startups. But narrowing it down to Nigerian startups, I, I would also say that in the financial domain, one of the um, challenges basically is the challenge of, of reputation. You know, sometimes um, the, the dominant um, myth that has been in the minds of several people, and I don't know, maybe it's a kind of perception issue, is the other thing that most Nigerians are, have a criminal tendency, but the truth is that it's not so. It's not so. So that kind of reputation that has actually um, been spread across many countries sometimes affect um, investors wanting to invest in Nigerian startups because they think maybe somebody is going to swindle the money or go away with the money. So all those, so these are some of the basic challenges that we are facing. But I think for for most part, I think the dominant challenge is the issue of policies, sustainable policies, a thriving environment that would help um, impact investors to actually, because the, the idea about impact investing is impact investors are looking for opportunities where they can put in their money and get rewards back from their investments. But at the same time, their investment is making some form of social impact. So that is actually the idea about impact investing. And I think it is actually improving in the continent as we go forward um, in the next couple of years. I believe that 
more and more investors will see the need. Actually, actually, the truth is that many more investors are seeing the need to invest in African startups and in the African continent as a whole compared to other regions like the Asian region, the European region, and all that. Why? Because now is the time for Africa. Actually, the, the world, the world um, focus light is currently, the world searchlight is currently on Africa. So young startup founders and other people who are actually running social enterprises or uh, and, um, impact investors are actually searching across Africa for um, valuable startup companies that they could invest in that are also making some form of social impact. Because the idea of impact investing isn't just about um, profits alone. Of course, profit is a part of it. Impact investing normally has dual objectives. The objective of investors investing their funds and making a profit, but at the same time, meeting a, a social you know, or an environmental need. So let me put it that way. So um, investors are actually searching for those kind of companies in Africa that are solving Africa's social problems, but at the same time generating income for them. So I think currently compared to other regions like Asia and Europe, you know, um, which has actually been dominating the, 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 the space of impact investing in the past decade, I think things are actually changing now. Things are actually changing, and um, the, the the searchlight is actually being turned on Africa, and that is why we have a lot of investors trooping into several African countries: Kenya, South Africa, Nigeria, to look out for opportunities and for startup companies that they could invest in. And sometimes I also feel like the reason they are actually trooping into those countries is also because um, the manpower here is 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 adequate enough to make this business sustainable and all the, and all that. So I think that's um, that's the current trend of what is happening in the impact investing sector across Africa. You, it's good you talked about M-Pesa. So M-Pesa was a you know which a huge hit. Uh, it's basically you're using mobile for driving financial inclusion. How do you think sort of just on a, that that note? How is the uh, technology? Uh, working as an enabler for entrepreneurship in Nigeria. You mentioned that it's it's a huge thing. So you think that's a that's a consumer behavior which is really people are adopting because Nigeria is the largest market uh, in Africa. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, I think it's the same thing. Like I mentioned earlier, the, what M-Pesa is doing is also what um several Nigerian startups are doing, like Flutterwave. And Flutterwave, of course, is not just an, a Nigerian startup now because it has gone beyond the Nigerian shows. It is Flutterwave is across most of the African countries um, to say. And then we have other companies like, um, you know, like uh, Money Point and like Ope, you know. And then, of course, recently we have other um, blockchain companies that are also helping to drive cross-border transaction and financial inclusion across several African continents with the use of blockchain currently, um, it becomes even more easy for financial inclusion. Also, what we're doing at Impact Market also drives that drives down to that fact of um, um, helping the rural poor and, uh, um, um, and those in rural communities to actually to have access to finances to support that's the current happenings. 
the question you you know impact market that seems to be a very exciting company now impact market uses a community driven model to to crowdsource for generating capital for your members now as a country ambassador at impact market nigeria speak about how web3 drives financial solutions keeping in mind blockchain especially among the underprivileged section of the society i'll then come to of course how different is from kiva kiva is a great example but here you could uh, you know talk about your company um so impact market is actually um a company that is leveraging blockchain technology to drive um financial inclusion and access to finance and we have various product stream through which we make that happen um number one we have the product stream which we call the unconditional basic income or some people call it what some other people know it as the universal basic income the universal basic income is simply a model a community driven model that helps people in rural communities to have access to basic finance to meet their daily needs for example when we started out at impact market impact market was um providing for some families um so for some beneficiaries from some families in rural communities $1 per day and they get this money free without um the need to pay anything all they just needed to do was to have access to a to an to an android phone to a smartphone through which they could access these funds in cryptocurrency so what we did was that we had community managers who were able to mobilize some people that were actually in needs of these funds and then we onboarded them we taught them how to use their mobile phone to access these cryptocurrencies which they could also convert to their local currency and use it to do whatsoever they want to do for some families they they save up this money together and use it to improve their livelihoods their feeding for some other families they use it to um help their children in terms of access to education and all that so this funds as little as it was was helping to solve some basic needs so that's what impact market do we work with donors and other partner organizations that are looking at impacting communities to drive this um but then another product of impact market is what we call the micro credit product the micro credit product actually provides access to finance again through leveraging blockchain technology we provide access to finance to startups to entrepreneurs to small and micro scale businesses within local communities so once we identify um these businesses um let me just put it in perspective in nigeria the the ubi product was able to reach over 7000 beneficiaries and the micro credit program which we just piloted in nigeria currently we have about 30 people who have accessed the micro credit loans with over um $7000 which is about 5 million naira plus in nigerian currency approved for these women these are mostly women led businesses and they get these funds to support their businesses for some of them they are into fashion for some others they are into basic um sales of groceries and provisions for some other others they are into catering business for some others they are into education business school business so these are women from different diversified sectors who we have provided these funds and they are able to use these funds to actually support their businesses for some of them they use the, the funds to to maintain their businesses in other words to maintain the operations of their business for some others they are using the funds to buy equipment 
to support their businesses, like for those that are actually running a catering business. So some of them use the money to get generators. Some of them use the money to get fridge. And um, so for some others that are into fashion, they use the money to get um, industrialized sewing machines and all that. So these are just some of the uh, some of what Impact Market is doing. And then we also have the Learn and End product through which you can go on the Impact yeah. Market website. I just wanted Sorry. to interrupt. So I didn't get the total number of beneficiaries. You said is how many? Uh, I so said for approach? for the for the UBI program, the unconditional basic income program. Impact Market has reached over seven thousand beneficiaries. Yes, in the past and currently, um, there's a slowdown. The microcredit you talked about the microcredit. How much is it? The microcredit program, we've reached over 30 beneficiaries. We just began the pilot okay. in the month of um in the month of um July. We just started the pilot in the month of July and we've reached over 30 beneficiaries. And altogether, those 30 beneficiaries has accessed seven thousand dollars distributed among those um 30 beneficiaries. So um that's okay. what um that's the impact so far we've made on impact market but the, the beautiful thing about this is that this is being um powered by blockchain transaction where every transaction is transparent where every transaction is traceable and that's the essence of using blockchain transactions to actually drive um social impact initiatives like the programs that we do at impact markets so this is so actually is very incredible but when you talk about blockchain, so how do you come up with this model? How do you decide who should get the loan? Do you have a very strong credit model? What sort of parameters do you look at if, if you can sort of just elaborate whatever you can? Okay. So the parameters we look at um, varies. First of all, um, we want to look at, um, like I said, we use a community-based approach. We have community managers within each community that identifies these women but for we in Nigeria, we're actually working with an NGO called Do Take Action. So this was a joint partnership between Impact Market and an NGO called um, Do Take Action because the NGO itself already has um, an understanding of how to locate and identify these women that need these loans. And some of the things we want to find out is, are these businesses, are they registered? Do they have a stable financial flow so that the, because this was this um, for the microcredit program is not free money like the ubi it's actually a loan so they have to repay back this loan so we want to find out um have they taken other previous loan before what was the interest rate of these loans what was the duration how soon can they pay back these loans so all these are some of the metrics we use um in finding out if a business should be accessing this loan or not and then we have an interview, a physical interview also with these women to really access them if they really know the business that they are into and um, if they really have a plan for the sustainability of their business and not just those that just want the money to just go and spend it. So we have actually some criteria in place through which we used to identify the people that deserve to get this loan. And of course, though we are using a community-based approach, we are also, um, each of these people within the communities also know themselves. So it's, it's also called, it's a kind of like a revolving access loan. If I get to pay my loan, um, the payments I made will also be used to grant a loan to the next person. So there's this kind of social pressure among the group for everybody to pay back their loans. 
So it's that. So those are just some of the criteria and the methodology through which we are using to function to drive the microcredit program. And now, okay, so uh, did you talk, they have to repay back the loan. So do you give interest rates, which are best interest rates? It's a discounted rate. How, how does it work out? Yes, we have interest rates. We have an interest rate, a very, very minimum interest rate of 0.2% uh, oh. daily. It's very low compared to other microcredit institutions that are operational within the country. So the thing you're doing test market, you're test marketing your microcredit product in Uganda and Brazil. So where uh, so you could share your opinion and where there are similarities and differences between consumers in both these countries. What is your sort of take on that? What sort of insights did you gather from uh, test marketing in both these two countries? Because one is in Africa, one is in you know South America. So this is very interesting to see how would they be similar and different. Um, I think um, from our findings so far, um, the, the behaviors in terms of how people deal with microcredit is almost kind of similar. It's kind of similar, um, I think, because um, when it comes to finances, people have the same tendencies of the, um, of behaviors, irrespective of what region they are, they are in or they are from. So I think it's almost similar, the findings. Um, people just want to be sure that um, these loans... Um, the interest rate is um, is something that they could pay back. The interest rate is not something so high. So I think that is one of the major concerns between um, the consumers of the microcredit programs in Africa and also that uh, and 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 that of those in in Brazil per se. Um, other things have to do with um, the duration of the loan. How um, what is the duration of this loan? So these are some of the basic concerns. So the similarities so far. Is, is 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 similar i but for africa i think the the majority of the people that are accessing this loan are majorly women because most times women are involved in local businesses and um i think they are the ones actually very very particular about getting loans compared to other regions so i think the 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 number of women we have in the african region i think is much more than those we have in other regions Okay, so when you're, uh, you know, talking about impact market, would you consider Kiva as a, a bit of your competitor? Is Because Kiva has also got a huge uh, presence in Africa. Am I correct? Platform? Which, sorry? Kiva. Kiva, uh, K-I-V-A. Okay, Kiva. Oh, well, I don't think Kiva is a um, competitor um, because um, previous to the time you mentioned it, um, I really didn't know much about Kiva. Per se. Okay. Um, they may be doing an amazing work, um, but I'm not really sure if I would say they are the major competitors. There are other major competitors out there. Um, I think the major competitors even has to do with um, the standard banks we have, which are also now diversifying into... Previously, the banks do not like to give loans and microcredit, except you have a very good collateral. But I think the dynamics is changing <laughs> and the banks are actually beginning to key into that sector and then we have other startup groups and financial companies that are actually um competing in that scale but um to to, to say if they are a competition to impact markets i i wouldn't really say i have gotten that data yet to compare how we we relate in terms of how they are also moving in terms of africa in nigeria in particular 
But I think there are also other competitors, I would say that, yes, have that actually have a strong presence and possibly a stronger presence than impact market due to the fact that impact market is just coming into the microcredit um, scene per se. So we are not usually yet seen as a threat to other competitors that have been in existence for several years. Um, the microcredit program just started in Uganda also this year and in Nigeria also this year. So we don't have that kind of strong presence yet to um, begin to um, see ourselves as a competitors to some of those other microcredit and loan companies that has been in existence for several years. Now I come to a very personal question. Now you have, you know, you have a very stellar career, I would say, within the social and development sector. Let me put it this way. Now you are also a part of many roles, you know, you, you are part of, uh, you're a re regional program officer of West Africa Civil Society Forum. You're a, comp uh, a country ambassador, which I spoke about, at youth organization of the European and African Union, co country ambassador for uh, Thought for Food, communication officer at a Young African Leaders Initiative Network, Abuja. Now, when you have also you have also co-founded uh, World Impact Development Foundation. So, when you look at all these uh, companies and you know all these organizations in the development sector, do speak what inspired you, and what are the key takeaways from different uh, you know from your different experiences? And you can maybe elaborate a bit about World Impact Development Foundation. Okay. Um. First of all, um, some of these roles you mentioned were roles that I have handled in the past. I'm not yeah. currently. Um, handling those roles just to put those that in perspective, like Waxoff, yeah, like West Africa Civil Society Forum. Um, I I stopped working there over um four years ago. Um, and then um, but um, bringing um what I currently do, I currently am involved in three three key roles. Yes, um, the impact market, the impact market role. Um, because um, I have a passion in terms of reaching out to those at the grassroots level and helping them with access to finances and helping them to build sustainable businesses, which will also have an impact on the local economy. So I thought um, that role, when Impact Market approached me to take that role, I saw it as a huge opportunity to actually um, help certain business owners and other people within the city where I live actually to to thrive in terms of the business that they do and of course in terms of their family when impact market started we started with the ubi program the unconditional basic income program so the funds the little funds that were coming in was used to support um, a lot of these families in rural localities where i was actually working as the founder of world impact development foundation so and of course another reason to be honest another reason i took the role at impact market was because it also helped to boost uh, my finances personally so that's true of course the work we do in the social impact space sometimes we do those work because we are passionate but then i'm a family man i have a family to take care of so i yeah sorry to interrupt you but but then you have been a, you are actually a member of abuja global shapers that's an initiative of world economic forum you are also part of sustainable development solutions network a young african leaders initiative right so these so you have uh, been very much involved uh, within the lot of social impact issues in uh, your country. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, um, I'm currently I am an alumni of the Abuja Global Shapers, which is an initiative of the World Economic Forum. 
Um, I'm also a member of the Sustainable Development Solution Network and the Young Africa Leaders Initiative. So all these are actually um, networks through which I collaborate and work with in driving policy advocacy and taking grassroots actions at different points and at different stages of my life, growing in the development sector. So I actually worked across all these different organizations um, while I was working at the Abuja Global Shapers, while I was a, an active member, I'm currently an alumni. Um, we did a lot of projects relating to governance and policy advocacy. Also, while I was, I'm, I'm still currently engaged in um, the Yali Network, the Young Africa Leaders Initiative, but um, I'm not actually engaged in that initiative in in a very, very formal capacity. Previously, I was a communication and advocacy officer, but currently I'm just a floor member, um, just contributing my role as an advisor because now we have mentored and raised all other upcoming emerging young leaders who are actually taking the lead in driving the network. So I'm not very actively involved in this network per se right now. But currently what I'm driving right now is what I'm doing with the World Impact Development Foundation. So I was talking about what we do at World Impact Development Foundation, YDEF. So I said, we are, we are engaged in top-level advocacy engaging with government stakeholders and other international organizations to drive advocacy on issues of governance, on issues of human rights, and on issues of economic empowerment and peace building. So, but at the same time, we are taking grassroots um, action on these thematic areas. For example, we do go to from time to time to various communities to have like a community need assessment on what this community needs sometimes good roads, sometimes water and all that. And then we engage these um, citizens of these local communities to be able to become active citizens to hold their government representative, their local government chairman and um, their house of representative members to, hold, to be able to hold them accountable to provide the basic needs that have actually been allocated in the national budget. So, so these are some of the things we do in the areas of governance. But on the other hand, we also have other initiatives like our economic empowerment initiatives, whereby we teach youth and women vocational skills, which they need to thrive and be resilient and to actually have a sustainable future for themselves. So sometimes we have those kind of empowerment initiatives at the grassroots level, whereby we train them on different skills like bag making, shoe making, you know, on how to run a business and all that. So these are some of the things we do at the grassroots level, um, empowering them. Um, and so these are some of the things we do at World Impact Development Foundation. But then also we have other initiatives that spans across human rights. For example, um, we are going to be working with a, on a project soon called um, Safeguarding Digital Rights. And this project is in partnership with the Action Group on Free Civic Spaces, which YDEF is also a part of. And we're going to be working with other government agencies to see um, that um, digital rights are actually being respected and protected. So um, that's an upcoming initiative that we hope to work in in the future. But then also, for, um, finally, what I also do with um, Saipan, which is the Commonwealth Youth Peace Ambassadors Network. I'm I currently became the chairperson of that network and is strictly a peace-building network. We are young people across the 56 Commonwealth countries are actually advocating for a peaceful an inclusive and a sustainable world. So that's what we do at Saipan. And I'm leading that initiative across the 56 Commonwealth countries. Oh, great. And you have the middle road. So I'm giving an uh, affordable higher education at a very, uh, so this is sort of a trial which I'm doing.
doing right now at a token amount of money and you're always welcome to use it for the whole of africa wherever you are uh, it's it's the whole platform uh, predominantly almost uh, all the courses also now are included in the whole package and you're i would love to see that this initiative you could sort of build on with the middle road also and you're always welcome to you know take it to the people out there or, or to you know use it for yourself so i but i do appreciate sort of the work you're doing and you have been facilitated for quite a bit you have won a lot of awards you uh, you, you are also given the award of unique caribbean business school international african quality award for your contribution to human capital development the national unity merit awards for com- uh, for commitment to nation building and then uh, th- there's another award where you get you got i think transform transformers hub international award for phenomenal impact and contribution towards transforming lives and empowering communities in africa and beyond so before i come to the aha question you know you do a lot at the grassroots level you try to help the underserved section of the society you have won awards you you have been involved in a lot of advocacy as well how does it does it not sort of give you a lot of satisfaction that you have done a lot at a very young age in well, uh, connecting to the society giving back to the society yeah i think it gives me a whole lot of satisfaction i'm so excited um i actually started my career um at a very tender age i think that is also what helped me my very first social impact initiative was I I did it at the age of 17 um and okay. this was yes at the age of 17 this was over 20 years ago uh over several years ago many years ago okay. <laughs> and uh, I was invited by the Ministry of Youth and Sports in Kaduna state then I was in another city in Kaduna state just as a young teenager and I think um the director of that Ministry of Min- of Youth and Sports was the one who actually helped to mentor me and to put me in the pact of social impact so by the time i left the university i already knew what i wanted to do in terms of the development space compared to other young people who were still trying to figure out the direction for their lives i already had a trajectory coming out of um um as a young teenager waiting to get admission into the university i was already doing some kind of impactful initiatives for young people so by the time i left the university it was just um for me to go on in that line so it helped me to kind of accelerate quickly access a lot of opportunities um at the same time learn and fail in several others <laughs> you know but it's been a whole learning experience for me and of course i'm so excited but i still think there is much more to be done because the we still have a lot of existing social problems and um i'm not going to stop contributing my quota in seeing that some of the challenges we face in africa are being solved and this is why i'm looking for other partnerships and to actually expand the work we do especially at widef and also this is why i also be applying for the kasum um award which you are which you are offering mr nissant uh, i think by, when i'm done with this guy i think i'll just go immediately to apply for that and i'm hopeful that you will grant us the favorable request to be a part of to receive this award and definitely will be so grateful we amplify this um across all our networks and to everybody to know that such an award exists and of course to also do other um we we'll also express our strong gratitude through every medium available at our disposal to show we are grateful for such an opportunity if we get it anyway i think you have your criteria yeah, to 
Yeah. Now let's. Uh, I'm actually very glad. I'm uh, very grateful that you're applying for the award. Uh, the middle road. Uh, I'm the only one person at the middle road uh, stating that uh, this is the first time uh, Kusum is my mother's name, and this is the first time the social impact has from the middle road. And I hope it's going to go on forever. And I really appreciate you know you and people from Africa applying. So I I feel honored that uh, my work has you know at least spread out. and the uh, the work of the middle road has spread out so people are actually looking at it so it will be it's an of course an honor and uh, yeah i'm looking forward to it of course you're one of the favorites to win uh, i mean sort of the work which you have done i really appreciate that stating that Thank let's you. come to the last question yeah, and the, usually this is the aha question you could there are i'm sure there are many instances in your things happiness to what you have done in your life but do share uh, uh, any any or a couple of instances where with the audience uh, to uh, sort of uh, show your support or to show your work uh, that really you know brings gratitude to you and to <laughs> others okay um i think for me um some of the most um, amazing moments um were some of the moments we engaged at um, various communities i remember when we had the love my project and the quest for survivor project These were actually food drive projects carried out by the World Impact Development Foundation, um, and this project actually helped to provide um, for the Love My project. We reached out to over a hundred families um, in Giri community in the Federal Capital Territory here in Abuja, and we were able to provide them with, you know, a lot of food that could actually last them for a whole while. And those moments going to those communities to see those people. actually receive this food items and to see the joy on their faces i i i think that was the most remarkable moments for me the same thing happened when we had the quest for survival project in river state nigeria the the quest for survival project where we were able to provide also another 100 people families and people with disability with food items and um other basic provisions that they need this is some of the most project that brought me most joy because um i could literally see the excitement on their faces some of them crying some of them thanking us for going all the way out to make this basic provisions for them to able to survive and then other projects like the um skills acquisition and entrepreneurship trainings that we have in various city i remember particularly um one of those projects we did in river state nigeria in the city of opobo potakot um potakot river state nigeria we had to actually travel through a river in a boat to be able to access that community and uh, um getting to that community we were able to train over 500 people on different entrepreneurship and vocational skills and when i remember those moments when i remember the excitement on their faces they coming out and mass to participate in those trainings I think those things gave me joy because I see that they could use those skills which they've gained to actually improve their own livelihoods. So those are some of the most vital projects actually that we are dear to my heart. Aside other project that has to do with top level advocacy where we engage with government officials and all that, these ones are the grassroots actually means the most to me because of the direct impact it had in the lives of the beneficiaries. So thanks a lot, uh, Kingsley, for taking time speaking with me. Uh, also, to for the audience, just to mention again that uh, the, the nominations for Kusum Social Impact Awards are open. This is the first time the Middle Road has come out with these awards, and I really appreciate 
if people around the world apply to these awards of course there's no monetary award as of this now but there's also going to be a there's going to be a sort of a 20 minutes uh, interview both video and on the podcast and a certificate from the middle road so this is an exciting opportunity for you to apply uh, for uh, to to this award but kinsley uh, thanks a lot i really appreciate you know giving time uh, i think you have done a lot i was very impressed by your uh, resume when I, the middle road i come out with these podcasts which is basically to also not only share perspective but also sometimes could be very uh, deeply analytical or could be deeply a uh, learning experience and a lot of, i really appreciate you taking time speaking with me and i look forward to a continuous sort of collaboration if there are ways the middle road can help you thanks a lot yes thank you very much uh, mr nishant i'm so grateful um to be connecting with you and i'm hopeful that someday we are going to meet in person Uh, maybe in India or in any other part of the world. <laughs> I'll be definitely looking forward to the opportunity. Thank you very much. Africa. I know that's my dream to come to Africa. I, I think it's a very uh, awesome continent. This sort of the wildlife and uh, the sort of yes. the passion, culture, uh, that atmosphere. I always, it was my dream to sort of come to Africa. But I'm sure I, I'm sure it's going to happen sometime in the near future. Yeah, yeah, at any time you are ready, I'm ready to welcome you to receive you, and you know to take you around for you to explore the amazing places we have in Nigeria and another place, another places. Whenever you're ready. Thank you.